0: Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and I thank you for the gift of the saints and for the call that you've given us to be saints. Lord, I ask that you would give us uh, grace to enter into this Latin season with a sense of courage, with a sense of uh, commitment, Lord, to follow the path that you have for us. Lord, we're nothing without you. We so look forward to uh, the day when we can be with you forever in heaven. And Lord, we want to proclaim that kingdom here on earth. Help us to not take ourselves seriously, Lord, but to take you seriously, or to take seriously that you take us seriously, even better. <laughs> uh, and and Lord, um, for those times that we're falling and failing in Lent, help us to even glimpse your glory in those things, Lord. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name, Amen. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I went to Mass yesterday, and it was awesome. Not just because it was a uh, you know a chance to go to Mass in Lent, but um, I went to Saint Mary's Parish, Father Lewis's Parish, for daily Mass, and nobody had a mask on. Praise be to God. <laughs> It's uh. remember they were saying two years ago, it was what, two weeks to flatten the curve. And then ended up being two years to rid ourselves of masks. Oh my goodness. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I, I was stunning. I walked into mass and I looked around and it was like, wait a minute. I can see everybody's face. I can see father's face as well. No one had a mask. It was refreshing. It was like, the, uh, the uh, like the scales falling from the eyes and you could see people's faces. Well, uh, today on the program, I'm going to be talking about helping to get a fresh outlook on our faith in Lent, um, letting some of the scales fall from our eyes in our own life of faith. And one of the powerful ways that the Lord does this, just really, uh, like if you just say you measure it sociologically, is when we get together for conferences, retreats, workshops, special events, times where we step apart and focus together as a community of faith in a way that is intended to help us grow in faith. So, crazy enough, it was two years ago today that I did my last event. It was at St. Thomas More Parish. It was a weekend uh, event we think it was like Friday night and Saturday, and it was the last event, then they shut everything down. And now this Saturday at St. Joseph's in Otis Orchard, uh, I'm doing um, another morning event, and this event is on St. Joseph. It's not just for men, Um, it's for men and women, uh, high schoolers and, and on up, Uh, It's not aimed at kids. It's aimed at adults who want to grow in their faith. And we're going to lean on Joseph. We're going to look to St. Joseph. And we're going to be amazed at how St. Joseph can be for us a model for wisdom and for prudence, wisdom, um, knowing how to go deeper into our faith and prudence, knowing how to live our faith more fully. And so I I want to encourage you to come on out. It begins with Mass at 9 o'clock and then it will continue on with some talks, and then at 12 noon, there's a lunch. Hey, come on. You can't beat that. So it'll be a wonderful time of fellowship, growing in faith. Um, I'm going to be—I'm the speaker. Sorry, I'm the one who's doing the teachings, and uh, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. It's been a while since I've had a chance to, to speak in a church, so that's a beautiful thing. Well, um, there's also— Two events coming up, a week from Friday and then on Saturday is the Seattle Men's Conference, Iron Sharpens Iron. It's the ninth conference and SeattleMensConference.org, SeattleMensConference.org is going to tell you all about the event. And one of the speakers is Dr. Dennis McNamara, and he is from Benedictine College, and um, I got him. He is, we're about to dive into an interview with him. And then in the last part of the program, I'm going to be interviewing a woman who's an organizer for the Helena uh, Women's, Catholic Women's Conference coming up in, well, the week after, two weeks from now. So lots of really, they're neat interviews too. I know you're really going to enjoy them for different reasons. You're going to enjoy both of them. So let's dive in right now with an interview with Dr. Dennis McNamara. Well, let me welcome to the program, Dr. Dennis McNamara. He's an associate professor and the executive director of the Center for Beauty and Culture at Benedictine College in Kansas. Welcome, Dennis. Great to have you on the program.
1: Thanks so much. Great to be with you.
0: Or are you better known as one of the co-hosts for the Liturgy Guys podcast? Uh, which one do you want to Which one do you want to lead with today?
1: Well, they're all good, but uh, <laughs> they actually they both feed each other because on the Liturgy Guys we try to have informed podcasting, which comes from our academic knowledge and then also the life of faith that fills the classroom here. So it's they're together.
0: You want to sound wicked smart? Is that what you yeah. want to do? If yeah. I'm
1: from Boston, I definitely do.
0: <laughs> are you from Boston?
1: No, I grew up in New York, but wicked smart is a. That's a Boston thing. To I say. grew up
0: in Boston. So that explains it. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, uh, Dr. McNamara, you'll be coming out to the Iron Sharpens Iron Conference. And um, it, this is going to bring together men around the archdiocese and, and even around the state. Uh, and some folks might even join in virtually uh, as they make that available as well. Um, to be able to participate as men. Um, so here you are, you have a chance, you get together with men to talk about liturgy. You're working at a, a college that's a real center of renewal in the, in the Catholic world among young people. And, and you're at the heart of that in terms of transforming culture. Uh, when you think about the idea of coming and speak to men, right, about the, the call they have to, to be heralds, to help transform culture, um, what what is it that is sort of burning on your heart and mind these days that you want to bring to these guys at, at this conference?
1: Well, the even stranger part of it is Father uh, Nick Wickard asked me to talk about beauty, right? So what on earth would beauty, and I run a center for beauty and culture. I tell people all the time, it's not hair and makeup, right? We have goodness, we have truth, and we have beauty. These are three transcendentals and goodness and truth. We kind of understand, right? In the Catholic world, beauty is that. we don't know that's for the decorators and the hairdressers but I'm going to be saying that beauty is actually given to us by God and if you look at the classical definition of it it's called the splendor of the truth or the attractive power of the truth and you might think okay well that's about painting walls and picking couches no it's about being in one hand being a man what is the attractive power of manhood what is the attractive power of being a husband or a son or a father and you know the church furthermore and comes out of Aquinas teaches that we call a thing beautiful when it reveals what it is according to its nature. So they call that the ontological reality. What is it? And so we can say when a man's not really living up to his being as a man or he's neglecting his children. And so to be a beautiful man, there's nothing to do with the clothes you wear. It has to do with fulfilling the mission that, that God gives you. So I put the subtitle on my talk. It's an introduction to beauty, but then I put stronger than death, right? <laughs> that the love of a man for his wife is stronger than death love for his child stronger than death. He'll lay down his life for his child. And that's where the beauty of masculinity comes in. Uh, It's not merely surface pleasantness. It's living according to the nature that God has given you.
0: Uh, Dennis, I love that. It's very powerful. Um, I think about the, the concept of God's beauty, you know, the glory of God made manifest and somehow our lives are meant to manifest the glory of God and what, a, what an elevated call, what an elevated mission that um, we have the privilege and the possibility of doing that. Um, I have two sons, and when I talk with them about um, growing to be godly men, um, I, I will actually reference at times um, the, the theme of beauty, saying that you know, when you serve sacrificially, it's, um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, versus when you live selfishly, it's ugly. There's something really ugly about just living for yourself or being clever enough to put someone down, rather than being kind enough to lift someone up. And it, and that has a it's a pretty striking way of talking, um, using the language of beauty to to like highlight to highlight uh, someone's behavior or someone's attitude. Talk about that.
1: Well, this is how beauty and goodness and truth are related, right? Because if beauty is the splendor of the truth, it's that about the truth, which is delightful, then by definition, it's attached to the truth and it can't be separated from the truth. And when you know the truth, then you want to live the truth, right? And so that's goodness. How do you live the moral life? So people talk about St. Paul on his road to Damascus. You know, he gets this flash of light. He goes blind. He hears the word of God. He has this encounter with something glorious. I mean, it's a little scary, but... It's outside the normal realm of earthly things. It's the splendid reality, and then this truth is communicated to him. You know, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he has to figure out what that is. But when he does, his life changes forever, and he lives the good. So it starts with this transformative beauty, and becomes a quest for understanding the truth, and then becomes a desire to live it. So I tell people often that beauty is to truth as delicious is to food. You know, if you want someone to buy your cookies, you, they better taste good, right? There's no bottle of delicious you pour into the mix. But if you do everything right, the reality of that cookie will be so delightful that people will want it. And if we can treat the faith that way, if we can talk about men living their Christian duty that way, then it's not just a guilt trip. It's a challenge to rise up to who God has made us to be.
0: You know, Dr. McNamara, you're you're talking about this idea of coming to appreciate the truth. When I think about um, one of the things that gets in the way of that, it's the it's technology, it's the pace of life, it is a loss of a contemplative approach to like being present to the world around us. I mean, here you are you're the you're the director, the executive director of this center for um, culture and and for beauty, and and yet one of the big themes that you focus on is architecture and, and art uh, in, in the 19th and 20th centuries. Um, there's so much there that when I think about like the high middle ages versus today and the fundamental difference that we have because of the world we're living in, um, what would you talk about in terms of some of the things that would be losses, that we, we have as men, that we've got to learn how to recover and then how to foster if we're going to even appreciate the reality of beauty.
1: Well, there's a great demand to know, right? And, and knowing means you have to do some work to figure things out. And you have to be an evangelical preacher, no matter what field you're talking about. The Middle Ages weren't just better builders because we can do what they did. We can do it faster. We have cranes and machines and steel, but they knew what a church was as this image of heaven, as an anticipation of our own heavenly future with God. We didn't build bad buildings because we couldn't do that. We built bad, not inspiring buildings because we forgot what they really were. So my quest at the Center for Beauty and Culture is always about coming to the truth of things. What's the nature of things? What's the nature of things? What's the nature of things? If you think about the abortion question, is the child in the womb a person or is it a blob of cells? You see, that's a question about the nature of things. And you don't know what to do until you settle that question. What is the, What is liturgy? Is it just a, a monthly um, gather together on your knees, kind of sing a song and, and eat the bread of life? Well, it's kind of more than that. You have to enter into the sacrifice of Christ and offer yourself as a victim, which is a very manly thing. It's a womanly thing too. It's just a Christian thing. I give myself over to God to destroy me and remake me like a grain of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. But then it produces you know, 12 times as much fruit or whatever. And so to know, oh yeah, I don't just go to the liturgy to see what's happening now. I go there to enter into the heavenly realities and offer myself on the same altar of the cross that Christ did. So I can be glorified. There's a huge fear that can come with that. I don't, I don't want to say yes to God. It seems easy, but if God said to you, I'm going to, okay, you've offered yourself to me. I'm going to take your health. I'm going to take your job. I'm going to take your good name. You'll be unjustly accused of something. That's some serious courage if God wants that. And so, uh, A manly or womanly act is to say, yes, God, whatever you want with deep trust. And that's a beautiful thing to know who you are, to know who God is and how you relate to him.
0: You know, I'm talking with Dennis McNamara. He is an associate professor at Benedictine College in Kansas, as well as the executive director of the Center for Beauty and Culture on site there at the college. He'll be speaking at the Iron Shop's Iron Seattle Catholic Men's Conference coming up next month. And I do encourage you to go to seattlemensconference.org. I'll give out that information again so you'll know how to sign up for that conference. Um, Dennis, when you think about Um, the way in which we are called upon to uh, be open and to appreciate beauty as it appears, you have this podcast called the liturgy guys. You have a background in art architecture, appreciating beauty in Catholic ways. And one of the most profound ways it would seem that Catholics express an appreciation for God's glory and our call to respond to it is in the liturgy. Um, what is your own um, sense about um, liturgical renewal or liturgical recovery of reverence as, a, as really a movement, I think, that is happening today because of a, a loss of maybe a sense of, of reverence in the liturgy and the losses that that has resulted in regarding the faith of those who participated
1: Right. I think people are realizing, maybe intuitively, maybe reading about it and in, in more intellectual and in, intentionality, that if we're worshiping God and the church is the place where God dwells on earth, that demands a certain kind of behavior. And therefore, it's not beautiful when that behavior is not evidenced. Right. If you were going to meet Queen Elizabeth, you would you wouldn't just walk up and slap her a high five and say, Hey, Queenie, what's up? Right. Like there's a there's a deportment that's proper to that. And that's about the truth of who she is, who you are, the truth of the moment. And if you don't know the truth of the moment of the liturgy, which is primarily Christ's action for the Father, sacramentalized by the priest and his people, then you don't know what to do. It becomes a gathering around the, the dining room table of God, as was the popular model in the 70s and 80s. When you read those books, it's not just how casual it can be. They had redefined liturgy as the meal Uh, of the dining room table of God, not the sacrifice of Christ, of Christ who's eternal beyond space and time, or they just present Christ at the Last Supper or Christ the carpenter. Maybe you've seen those bumper stickers around that says, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. It's their way of saying I'm a Christian. No, your boss is not a Jewish carpenter. Your boss is the second person of the Trinity who came to earth, died, rose again to conquer death, and is the right hand of the Father pleading and offering you to him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Of course, that would take your whole bumper to say all that. So knowing, right? Beauty is always related to truth. Knowing what a thing is tells you whether or not it's being revealed to you. And you've used the word glory a couple of times. That word actually comes from the Greek word narus, G-N-A-R-U-S. If you've ever known any of the words we have in English, like knowledge, right? It's about knowing. So glory is about revealing what is true. And when we do what's right, when we live what's true, when we understand liturgy properly, when we celebrate it properly, the truth radiates from it. And then we can say, oh, yes, that's beautiful. Not just because it's pretty, as the earthly world thinks of it, but because the truth is being given to us. like a great homily. If a preacher gives a great homily, and sometimes people will clap, you know, because they're just like really into it. They've experienced not only truth, but they've experienced truth in a beautiful way. And beauty motivates us to want the thing that's presented to us. And so anybody who's a man, woman, child, anybody who's interested in presenting the Catholic faith to someone You have to present it in a way that someone wants it. You can't put a gun to their head and say, be Christian or else, and expect it to be a real conversion. But if we can present the truth of the faith, then in a beautiful way, then people will come to us and say, what is this thing that makes you so happy? What is this thing that's so beautiful? What is this music, this incense, this architecture? Looking at stained glass windows, who is that? And we don't have to sell them on it. They come and ask us. We come to your beautiful church because we have out-of-town guests. And then they ask us questions and we invite them in that relationship.
0: I like that. That's Dennis McNamara talking with me today. He's going to be speaking at the Seattle men's conference. I made a mistake. I said next month. I meant next week, a week from Friday and Saturday, that's March 25th and 26th uh, is the uh, Seattle men's conference on the 25th. It starts at seven in the evening and then continues on. And then on the 26th Saturday morning, it starts at eight until four thirty. go to seattlemensconference.org. To be able to sign up for that conference, Dennis. When you um, when you mentioned the the liturgy and um, the attractiveness of it, um, looking at stained glass windows and and uh, you know just a beautiful uh, liturgy celebrated in a reverent way, um, it made me think about uh, one of the ways that we, coming out of the Second Vatican Council, uh, have tended to respond in terms of making the faith more accessible. To people today. Uh, that's the word I'm choosing intentionally is that um, I, uh, I, I done, I've i done church work for over 30 years. In fact, Chris Carstens, one of your liturgy guys, mm-hmm. um, was he from um, La Crosse, Wisconsin originally? Yes, he's
1: director of the office of worship there still.
0: Okay. So I'm, I'm dating myself now because I think it was about 20, over 25 years ago, I spoke at one of their religious uh, ed events uh, and Chris was there um, with, I think, was Christophonic originally there too?
1: I think they knew each other back in the day. Yeah.
0: Okay. So way back in the day, I'm aging myself now, but um, the point is that I think the one of the main themes that we had to foster renewal around the mass was making it relevant rather than reverent. And the concept was, how do you make it relevant without losing its identity rather than... Um, allow the authentic profound identity of the liturgy shine forth in a way that the proper response is reverence. Mm-hmm. Have you guys ever like, you know, kind of talked that theme through a bit on the liturgy guys? Uh, you know, the challenge of, of being both reverent and um, also somehow like wrestling with that theme of reverence, uh,
1: yeah, right. And the, the Christian mission, of course, is always in this tension because God is God and he's far away. And then Christ comes to us as God and he's close to us. So we hold this tension between the unknowable and the absolutely encounterable, right? The, but then Christ said, He who sees me sees the Father. So how do you bridge that gap? So, you know, when you think of liturgy, we kind of think, Oh, I have to go to church because if I don't, it's a mortal sin. I hear a few lessons in a homily and I get this spiritual vitamin pill called the Eucharist, and then it strengthens me to avoid sin. And nothing about that is wrong. But when you really think further and and recall, it's not merely that surface thing. The the way the church has envisioned it for centuries is that to go into church, the ritual action of the priest is the sacrament of Christ himself. The people are members of that body. So then the Old Testament, you had the high priest. It was the head of the body of priests. Now you have the earthly priest or the bishop. Uh, It's the head of this body of priests, but he's an ordained priest the lay people are baptized. And so to go into churches, to go into this world, to leave the world, to leave time and space, to walk into this place where everything is better. Angels, saints, leaves, buds, flowers, gems, marble, gold, silk, elevated uh, singing, elevated preaching, reading from the word of God, and all to be participated in so that you know when you get to the pearly gates with St. Peter, you've already been doing heaven while still on earth. And that's where the reverence comes from. It's not, oh, God's scary. And I better be nice to him. Shoot me with a lightning bolt, right? There's something to what we owe God who's created us. But think more like your dad, you know, you owe reverence to your dad, not out of fear, but because he loves you and you love him back. And he wants you to learn to play golf. All right. He takes you to the golf course. He wants you to learn to pull weeds. He teaches you how to pull weeds. God wants us to learn to be heavenly Then we get to walk around in this earthly heaven. We sing the heavenly song, we eat the heavenly food, we see the heavenly things. And if we don't do that, we don't learn heaven. And so reverence is more about this encounter with the realities than it is about a mere mood. And if the realities are encounterable, the reverence will just happen automatically. You can see people who go on tours and you lead them into church, all of a sudden they stop talking and they start looking at the ceiling. The reverence just naturally arises. But if the building doesn't demand anything or offer anything the people like, Oh yeah, just another boring space. I guess I'll start chit-chatting. And uh, that's an important thing. When the truth is revealed, people respond.
0: You said a, a, like a really profound uh, statement that when, if the building doesn't demand anything, that's so striking. I've never heard that before, but I know exactly what you mean. When I walk into a beautiful cathedral or a, you know a, a space that is truly sacred in its design that it dem- it calls forth something from me and if i don't correspond in my attitude and my behavior that somehow i You're know a it. barbarian <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah that's right wow
1: if you that's misbehave crazy. in the sistine chapel everyone will look at you you know because it's this si- silent kind of extremely important moment for them and uh, the building it's not just the guard yelling at you, the building itself kind of demands yeah. it.
0: <laughs> the building itself demands something. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna actually make pretend that I made that up and start okay. using it. So well, I've never we thought guess. of it
1: before, it just came out of my mouth. So you
0: can have it. You should put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Do what okay. the building requires, right? Yeah. The building demands more of you. Pay attention. Yeah. As a uh, tour I, guide I,
1: for a long time, I noticed this when you lead people around to an important place. They just look at the high ceiling; their jaws drop, and they they stop. This is what classically is called ecstasy. You know, we think ecstasy is having visions of angels and saints coming in your bedroom at night and giving you mystical visions. Ecstasy literally means ecstasy, standing outside yourself, and that can be in an ordinary way. You look at a church, and you you just look like a fool with your mouth hanging open and the drool coming down your chin, and you don't care because you're outside yourself. And so, liturgy should do that. Preaching should do that. Church architecture should do that. And this is. This is beauty in the real proper sense.
0: Well, Dr. McNamara, I think you have a title for your next uh, Liturgy Guys podcast, The Building Demands Demands Something of You. you. That's right. Pay attention. Yes, I like that. Folks, if you're enjoying Dr. McNamara talking with me today, he has a podcast. Go to liturgyguys.com. It's on Apple Podcasts as well. You can subscribe to it there. But liturgyguys.com will get you to his podcast. If you want to learn more about the Center for Beauty and Culture, you can see that at benedictine.edu. And then you can just, or just Google Center for Beauty and Culture. And um, he's going to be speaking at the Seattle Men's Conference, seattlemensconference.org next Friday and Saturday. Friday night is where the conference begins. He'll be there Saturday the 26th uh, at uh, St. Brendan's in Bothell, along with Father Wickert and someone else from Benedictine College as well, which is exciting. I've been to the conference a number of times through the years, uh, Dennis, and I'm thrilled that. The world is opening up again for conferences like this to have happen. Um, just to give you, just I'd love for you to say when you have a chance to engage with guys like this or speak at conferences, what would you say is like one of the best, one of the biggest blessings or fruits that you've seen come from gatherings like this?
1: Well, what people start to realize is a they're not alone as men, especially maybe out west where it's harder to find uh, peers who. Uh, who believe it's it's wonderful here at Benedictine in that we're in this amazing tight community of like-minded believers. But also, what people often say to me is, you know, I didn't understand maybe everything you said, but I know now why didn't anybody teach me this before? Like, there's enough that gets through that they say, I look at a church differently now. I'll never be the same, and that's that's an amazing thing. Or I pray differently, um, or now that I know why these things are there, it puts words to what I already knew in my intuition. And that's the Holy Spirit dwelling in them and their um, sort of intuition about what's right. And then when they get words to it, they get to become evangelists because they can speak, and not just have feelings they're afraid to uh, to say to somebody else. And being able to speak the word of God is is what it's all about, and offer that invitation to others.
0: So I'd uh, I'd really would you speak to the the idea of false beauty? Because when I think about the internet, and one of the biggest challenges that um, I think men have today and young people who are trying to be formed in authentic beauty is the clever, seductive forms of false beauty that are presented as if they're true beauty. And the the idea of how do we discern the difference and how destructive is it if we don't do more to protect those we love from just having an openness to take in just really filth presented as beauty. Yeah,
1: well, that that is one of the dangers, so to speak, of beauty is that if beauty is not the attractive power of the truth, it can be the attractive power of what is not true. And of course, the devil will never present himself as ugly and never present something false as undesirable. So that's the challenge, right? It's when he would meet these mystics, he would appear as the Virgin Mary or an angel or Jesus, and then he would say something false. And then the mystic would know that it wasn't God. And would say, if you're from God, stay. If you're not from God, depart and they would have to leave, right? So this is why you can't turn off your intellect it's because beauty is the attractive power of the truth. And the place that knows beauty is the mind. It's an incredible, incredible thing. I don't think anybody thinks this. They think that beauty is in the emotions. I have a feeling it moves me to tears. It must be beautiful. No, beauty is known in the mind because the mind has to assess, is this the truth? Does this correspond to what I know is true? And so the world will present all kinds of things about what manhood is. And if you have the car and the physique and what womanhood is and all that stuff and the body shaming that goes along and you have to stop and say, okay, yeah, there's something that's immediately appealing But I'm going to let my reason kick in and say, is this the nature of a man and a woman and a wife and sexuality and all the things that go with that? And if you have to say, no, this is far into the nature, then you can stop and say, oh, well, then it's not true. Not completely true anyway, not true beauty. And so intellectually, we have to know what a thing is to know that when we encounter it, if it's true or not, and then we can tell false beauty from authentic beauty.
0: That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, uh, Dennis. So um, would you say, uh, I want to give you one chance to just say to uh, like a sort of a word of encouragement to the men that are out there listening about um, what your hopes are for them in coming to the Seattle Men's Conference again next week, Friday and Saturday on the 25th and 26th of March.
1: Well, it's kind of funny because my students teach me about this. I want people to leave knowing what the word ontology means. Okay. Ontos in Greek means being. And logos, you know, L-G-Y means study of or word about. And if people know who they are ontologically, you're, you are beloved son of God first, no matter what you've done. You are asked to rise to the level of Christ. You would give your life rather than harm a woman. You'd give your life rather than betray a friend. You'd give your life rather than act foreign to your own nature. If, they, if people come away with that, oh, I have this high calling. To, to live a sacrificial life, but it's also a life of joy because I've been raised to share in God's very own sac- sacrificial love, then you know who you are, right? And then you say, oh, well, I don't need to do this or that to find out who I am. This, this is who I am. So ontology, ontology, ontology. It's a pointy, he had an academic word, but I think it'll make sense to people in the moment.
0: You know, I, I'm right with you. Uh, we, how can we go deep if we're not willing to, to be stretched in our own ability to think about things. So let's, let's get first things first. Let's get the foundations, right? Amen. Good. That's Dr. Dennis McNamara today, taking some time to help us uh, learn a little bit more about beauty and about the center for beauty and culture, as well as a chance to get to know him a little bit before he comes out here next week uh, for the Seattle Catholic men's conference. Uh, Dennis, thank you so much for taking time with me today on sound insight.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to the program. So that was um, really, I, I loved it. It was I felt a little bit like I was back in school, <laughs> Doctor McNamara, Doctor Dennis McNamara, and and um, he he spoke in a way that uh, if you were following the interview, he he said a lot in a few words. He actually did. He was saying some very profound things about um, about uh, beauty and How Beauty is the Splendor of the Truth, about what he, he referenced, the word ontology, the study of being, uh, which is, again, this this then points to metaphysics. It, it, it really, it, some very profound stuff that he was saying, but boy, that last phrase, did you catch that phrase? That the building demanded something of you? The building demanded more of you. I love that. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to walk away with that one. I think you caught that. But Again, you can register for the Iron Sharpens Iron Men's Conference by going to seattlemensconference.org, seattlemensconference.org. Why you want to go to these things, you get to be with other guys who are battling to, to fight the good fight of faith. Uh, Father Wickert, as being generous and opening uh, his parish, St. Brendan's in Bothell, um, and, and I just love Father Wickert. Just, you know, it's just a priest of God who, you know, was striving from the various, various early days of the pandemic two years ago to continue to make the Eucharist and the sacraments available. I just really appreciated his courageous efforts and creative efforts to um, really reach out and say, how do we continue to minister the sacraments to the faithful who, you know, for whom this is life, this is, you know, their spiritual lives. So, um, check it out, men! Come and see the Seattle Men's Conference. It's again, it's in Bothell. So that's just you know on the east side, north of Bellevue, north of Kirkland. And uh, it'd be great t- to have you there at the Seattle Men's Conference. And um, I mentioned that today on Sound Insight. It, it, this is this is a it's it's a it's a springtime in some ways for the life of the church because we we're now having praise be to God events happening. We're having some days of retreat and reflection. Um, There was a a woman's event, a uh, a day-long women's event that happened uh, at St. Joseph uh, in Otis Orchard. Kerry was able to go to it, Um, a wonderful event. And uh, this Saturday, hey, I'm going to be at St. Joseph in Otis Orchard as well, speaking about St. Joseph. And not just... Not just talking about the saint, but talking about him in relationship to our lives of faith. So it's going to be all about you in Lent, growing in faith. Why Saint Joseph? Well, it's at Saint Joseph's in Orders Orchard on March nineteenth, which is the yes, that's right, the Feast of Saint Joseph. So very fitting. Love to have you there. It begins at nine o'clock with Mass, and then it continues on until twelve noon, and um, and then there's lunch, free of charge. Love to have you come out and be blessed by that event. Now, just a reminder, tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday are three special days that happen twice a year in the life of Sacred Heart Radio. It's the spring sherathon. three days in the spring, the fall shareathon, three days in the fall. These are days when we come to you and we say to you, we hope and pray that Sacred Heart Radio has been a blessing to you that you've been blessed by the programming, the prayers, the information, the news, uh, the insight, the, the helps to have you walk out your life of faith and to help find courage to live your faith today. Um, and that you believe in the mission of Sacred Heart Radio, being on the air in over 10 stations around the state of Washington, and then being heard up in Alaska as well, and Sound Insights heard in Kansas City. Um, And then these programs are made available afterwards free of charge on the internet, through the app, or through podcasts. And so if you believe in that mission of having the fullness of the Catholic faith be taught in a way that you find encouraging and inspiring and supportive and many, many, many others do as well. Well, this is your chance to give as part of the fall shareathon the spring shareathon. So that's gonna happen tomorrow, Thursday, and Friday. Now I'm going to be on I'm going to be on with Ron in the morning, not tomorrow. Tomorrow I couldn't make it in the morning, so I'm going to I'm going to have some special pre-recorded messages that Ron will play during this segment, but I'll be there, I'll be with Ron in the afternoon from 1:30 to 3 uh, tomorrow and then Thursday and Friday as well. So I'm excited to be there cuz I know of all the testimonies and stories that happen. So please tune in to the Spring Sheraton and pray. Pray about um using some of that that call to almsgiving on behalf of Sacred Heart Radio. All right. One of the gifts of Sacred Heart Radio is, is presenting and promoting events that will help you grow in faith. Well, I'm going to dive right in now to the second interview, which is with Caitlin Van Horsen, who is one of the key leaders of this upcoming Women's Conference. Well, let me welcome to the program Caitlin Van Horsen, here to talk about a beautiful event, a... Uh, I love the uh, the way that Caitlin that you all talk about it. It's like a spa day for the soul, for the woman's soul. I don't know. Last men are getting left behind here, Caitlin. But uh, I'm thrilled to have <laughs> you here to talk about the Helena Catholic Women's Conference coming up on April the second, ladies. April the second, called, and the theme of the conference is "Come to Me" from Matthew eleven twenty eight. Welcome to the car, uh, Welcome to the show, Caitlin.
2: Thank you so much, Tom. It's great to be here. Great to promote this conference. Great to be here and invite more women to come. Um, As always, it's going to be a great lineup. And yeah, the theme for the conference uh, always is underlined with the come to me uh, spa day for the soul. Uh, But each year, the committee discerns uh, an even more specific topic. And the topic this year that we're gonna be centered around is be healed. Uh, So I'm really excited to see what is in store for that. Uh, We have four speakers in total, um, three speakers that will be featured twice throughout the day. Um, And I think all of them will bring a really unique story uh, to what it means to be healed through Christ. I love that, Caitlin.
0: Um, I wish my wife Carrie was actually doing the interview because every year we discern, like, what's the Lord's word for you for the year? And so it could be a scripture, it could be a theme, it could be, uh, you know, so- something that is like maybe a- like a metaphor a picture. And-, and Carrie's word this year is healing. And so when oh. I saw that. <laughs> I know, isn't that awesome? That the Lord is doing yeah. a healing work. And then at the beginning of Lent, I had on Sister Miriam James Hardland, who um, put together a Lenten journal and showed how this daily journey through Lent of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving can also be understood as a an invitation from Jesus to come out into the desert in order to be healed. So I don't know what it is, but I think the Lord is doing something. To help women and I people of faith, but in this particular instance, women come to realize that he is a healing Lord. He is a divine physician, and he wants to do a work of restoration, of unbinding, of setting free. So Caitlin, when you, um, when you heard and, and were part of that team and, and came up with this theme, be healed or sensed it, this is what the Lord was up to. Um, what was some of the, the things that you thought of as like, oh, you know, having done this conference in the past, when I think about a spa day for the soul and I think about be healed, what are some of the areas where people who come to this, women who come to the conference on April the 2nd, where they might have a sense of expectation where they might encounter healing?
2: Oh, what a beautiful question. Um, well, first I just, I love that your wife's word for the year or theme for the year is heal or healing. Uh, So beautiful. Um, Yeah. So as women come to this conference, I think, yeah, each year it seems to really pinpoint a great need. And certainly just the times that we've had going through uh, COVID, just different uncertainties that we sometimes face. I think it gives us pause uh, because there's really only one answer at the end of the day, to our deepest need. And that is Christ. And so I think for this year, all women can be invited to the unique places. I think that's so beautiful as this conference can really be a unique experience for each woman. And so if there is a need for healing through the sacraments, uh, we will have adoration and confession (laughs) and several mass opportunities. And Jesus can certainly touch us very deeply there. Uh, Sometimes healing can come through community. Uh, There's going to be many beautiful women from this community and beyond. So sometimes we need healing in relationship. Uh, We are certainly body persons and Jesus wants to give us a life in abundance and he wants to leave no part of us untouched or healed. And so I think whatever place women find their most hurting, whether uh, it's in a spiritual way, a mental way, maybe a a self-confidence, self-image way. Uh, just fear, lack of trust, uh, just uncertainty, Uh, I think the Lord in this conference and through any one or number of those avenues can come into that. And so that's my prayer for all the women coming is that the Lord can just meet them each very personally.
0: Well, you know, Caitlin, um, and folks who are listening to this, I encourage you to go to the website because you can get information about the four main speakers, about the schedule, and also to register and it's Helena, H-E-L-E-N-A-C-W-C, as in Catholic Women's Conference. So, HelenaCWC.com, HelenaCWC.com. I'll mention that again as this interview goes on, Uh, and I'm talking with Caitlin Van Horsen. She's one of the folks that make it all happen, make this uh, conference happen. Um, And so, Caitlin, um, you have, I remember um, we had promoted this conference a year ago and it was really neat because there were some women that went out, they made the ride out. And, and this is the thing, you know, you can go out, you get there maybe on, um, on a Friday night, you can be there throughout the day on Saturday, and then you're able to come back home. Saturday night or on Sunday morning, I mean, uh, it's, it's a beautiful opportunity for women in this area. If you're in Northern Idaho, if you're in Eastern Washington, or even folks from Western Washington, listening to the program, you want to get away. Well, gee, is, is, is there anything beautiful about Helena in early April at all,
2: Caitlin? <laughs> what a great question. I just love it here. I think there are so many beautiful things to get excited about and that are worth coming to see and experience. I mean, first Helena' this setting is just really beautiful with the mountains and early spring. You know, if we get the rain, we're really hoping and praying for you know more moisture and more rain uh, when the grass is green and the mountains just have that beautiful green color. It's definitely worth seeing. Uh, makes a person's heart really happy. Uh, And then, of course, the Cathedral of of St. Helena. It's Mm -hmm. just a beautiful cathedral. Uh, The stained glass, uh, the liturgies there are are worth attending. So I I highly recommend that if you are coming to Helena as a destination, that you make some time to stop there. Uh, Carroll College's grounds are really beautiful. There's many hiking trails we, we have some fantastic restaurants. So there's, there's plenty of things uh, to do around the conference. And I think it can really be a real retreat-like experience because of those things. So you have the conference, uh, but maybe you uh, schedule a time to go pray at the cathedral. Uh, take a walk on one of our trails and pray a rosary. I think there's many opportunities uh, in Helena. So we invite you all to come and experience its beauty.
0: Well, and the beautiful thing as well, Caitlin, is that the whole family could come. You know, they could come on Friday and enjoy the family event that everyone's welcome to on the 1st, on Friday the 1st. At 6 o'clock, there's going to be a rosary and mass at the Cathedral of St. Helena. And then on Saturday itself is the conference. So if you can't make it on Friday night for the family event, you can always come on Saturday for the women's conference. And that's what really we're here to talk about is that event through the day. And then it's done by six in the evening. It ends with five o'clock mass again at the cathedral, which is a really beautiful thing. Um, So Caitlin, I'd love to hear, uh, you know, people love stories, a testimony of like, what difference did it make? You know, you see spa day and you think something that is ah, restorative, right? You think of something that will be just like <clears throat> releasing stress, pressure, anxiety. Can you think of a, a story or a, a, like a person that comes to mind that's like, oh, yes, this person beautifully said or beautifully expresses what happens at, at this event, at the Helena Women's Conference, Catholic Women's Conference?
2: Oh, yes. Oh, thank you for asking this question. Actually, one of my good friends uh, does come to mind who maybe I'll just leave, leave her name out and, and keep it anonymous, but uh, it's a woman from one of the groups and Bible studies that I do for women in our community. And for her, it was her first time going to the conference. So she really had no idea what to expect and was just really there to receive whatever the Lord had to give her. And I think it just surprised her in many beautiful ways because she had never really been in a room with that many women, Um, with women whose hearts were so much like hers. And so having women uh, come to speak directly to the heart of woman uh, just filled her cup so much. Uh, She enjoyed all of the sacraments that were there to be received and that really just elevated the whole day. Uh, And she told me this year already, she's like, I'm so excited to go again and see what's in store because for her, it, it was really this first time experience. And I think she just was really pleasantly surprised how much it filled her. And I think she learned to to seek out these other opportunities to really receive mentorship uh, from women specifically when it comes to matters of the heart for the woman. Uh, So it's just really beautiful to hear uh, that first time testimony from a good friend.
0: So that's Caitlin Van Horsen talking about the Helena Catholic Women's Conference. That's right. In Helena, Montana. I know you're listening to this mostly in the state of Washington, but also Northern Idaho. And even in the very Western part of Montana, people can pick up the signal of Sacred Heart Radio. So that's a beautiful gift. And one of the things that I love that's happening these days, Caitlin, is that the world is opening back up again. There's just more events starting to happen. And so I love that the Helena Catholic Women's Conference is available and a beautiful time of year. For women to come to Helena and to get this opportunity to experience healing, come and be healed. You know, Caitlin, the the speakers, uh, when I look at some of the themes that'll be unfolding, you know, it's everything from understanding, like the fact that we all have wounds that come from just just getting beat up by daily life, or just from the words and deeds that we've been involved in, or or that we're the victims of, we we find ourselves in, in broken circumstances. But then even also just understanding married life and married love Navigating that and uh, openness to life, and then um, themes around understanding um, the way in which we also are called to share our faith in the world. I just I think of the speakers that you are having come in; they they bring uh, you know a, a, a maturity and an expertise in in so many themes that touch women's lives. Um, when you think about um, the the talks that will be happening um, just pick one that you're particularly excited about and um, and why you think that theme is going to be so impactful at the at the conference this year
2: oh my gosh it's really hard to pick just one uh, but maybe I'll just start with uh, Judy Landry-Klein, klein who is on our speaker list uh, I know she has a number of just really impressive degrees and, um, certifications and backgrounds. Um, but I did notice when I was reading through, uh, just a little bit of her background that she's a licensed clinical pastoral counselor. And so I just will be really curious to hear, um, what she has to say. She has a book called the power of entrusting your child to God, um, Mary's way. And so I've got to think that, um, so much of her background will be applicable in just giving these women uh, the things that they need to hear, you know, from the heart of a mother. um, She certainly has a beautiful extended family, and so it just seems like she's well acquainted with our mother, and so she can kind of give us that wisdom um, from her own spiritual life and directly from her heart. Um, So really looking forward to that. I also am really excited to hear uh, Megan Murphy speak as well, uh, was kind of noticing a little bit of her background just being in youth and family ministry. And I, I certainly think that uh, the family life is constantly under attack in so many ways. And so any voice that's offering us a compass, uh, healing, perhaps through, you know, some of the information from Theology of the Body uh, that comes from her background, I just think that will be so valuable uh, to many women and and hopefully young people who are there as well. Mm
0: -hmm. I love that. That's Caitlin Van Horsen, who's with me today. She is one of the uh, key folks that are helping to organize and and promote this Helena Catholic Women's Conference coming up. Um, Caitlin, just to give in the the final minutes that we have, um, just a personal invitation, woman to woman, um, in terms of... Uh, you know, why it is these ladies really want to discern and then take action to say, you know what, I want to come to that, uh, that Catholic Women's Conference that will be a spa day for the soul.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think one really beautiful thing that I can say with 100% certainty is that the women who are behind putting this conference on put so much heart and work. And uh, the first and foremost thing that they put into this is prayer. And so they've been praying for your yes. They've been praying for your experience. They have been praying for your healing. And so wherever the pain points are, wherever Jesus wants to make you whole, uh, the people and faces behind this conference have been praying for that from day one. And so I have a lot of confidence that Uh, God will richly reward your yes. He will richly reward your own fiat uh, in coming to this conference. And so we hope that you will come, that you will uh, just allow uh, God's graces to pour into your life. Um, that, That would be my invitation, Tom.
0: I love it. So I'm going to make sure my, if my wife hears this, she's going to be coming. So one last comment, and that would be, um, what would be the uh, age that you'd consider appropriate from this age and on? Like, how old would you want to have the youngest participants that would be coming to the event?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think I imagine, um, you know, high school students through really no, no cap on this. I think that there is a very wide demographic uh, that this conference can serve. So I know that we've had uh, high school students in the past who have really enjoyed the conference, college-age students, young women, mothers, grandmothers. Uh, really, it, it truly is a conference for all women, no matter the age or the stage. And I think that's a beautiful thing. When the Lord uh, is here to serve the heart and when we're committed to our growth and our spiritual life, it's, it's hard to put a demographic on that. And so I think, I think the Lord wants to serve a large uh, array of women through through this conference.
0: Amen. Well, that's Caitlin Van Horsen. Thank you so much, Caitlin, for taking time to be with me today on Sound Insight. And I'll give out that information again, the website to go to and how to register for the Helena Catholic Women's Conference on April the 2nd. Thank
2: you, Caitlin. Thank you, Tom.